I'd like to tell you all the story. This goes back to 2016. Goes back to the old VSB, Very Smart Brothers. It goes back to one of those life-changing moments. Yes, I'm going to finally tell the story of Oprah Winfrey calling me. Welcome to Pass the Peas with Panama Jackson. Panama? Hi, it's Oprah Winfrey. Calling to tell you, I don't know you, but I love you. This podcast is Every nigga is a star. Every nigga is a star. Who will remind that you and I tell you guys a story about the time that Oprah Winfrey picked up the phone, decided she wanted to change my life and called me back in November of 2016. But before I explain that part, and before we get to the actual voicemail, the infamous voicemail on VSB that that became like part of the VSB lore, I got to do a little background. I got to set this up a little bit. I wrote a whole article about this, but there are going to be people who might listen to this because they saw Oprah who have no idea what we're talking about. So for those who aren't familiar with VerySmartBrothers.com, it was a site started by myself, Damon Young, and Liz Burr in 2008. March 30, 2008, I believe, was the first post we ever put up on VerySmartBrothers.com. And it was the it was a site we started on a whim, basically to keep our names out there in the consciousness while Damon and I worked on a book that would eventually become Your Degrees Won't Keep You Warm at Night, The Very Smart Brothers Guide to Dating, Mating, and Fighting Crime that we released in uh, January of 2011, which preceded, well, which was followed by the first time Damon and I ever met in person in April of 2011 at our three-year anniversary party dubbed Hashtag 3Ds by our VSB comment section the notorious, the infamous, uh, the reason why VSB mattered so much in our early years, uh, our comment section. We started this website in 2008. We had some successes. We had some failures. We had some ups. We had some downs. We started with Damon, myself, and Liz. Damon and I did the writing. Liz did all everything else. Liz created the website. She did the back end stuff. Liz was basically the person we could not live without regarding VSB. At some point, she decided to go, um, you know, spread her wings and become the exec that um, she is now. She decided to go off and, and, and do her thing. And then Damon and I effectively took the reins and kept it pushing. In 2015, I think, it's either 2015 or maybe in 2016, we had this agreement with TheRoot.com. At this point, we are a part of TheRoot.com. Very Smart Brothers is a vertical of The Root. What that meant at the time was <clears throat> Damon and I would write articles 
Uh, we would send them to the root. The root would put them up on their website. And then we would run the same article maybe the next day on VSB. But they would pay us for it. We would get paid per, per article. Back in 2016, I want to say this was the first season of the TV show Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar is probably one of my favorite shows. Um, if you're listening to this, you might be familiar with uh, the podcast network. I started with a friend of mine called the Blacktastic Podcast Network. Well, one of the first podcasts that we did under this network umbrella is called Bourbon and Bordelones, which is a Queen Sugar recap show where we, um, I think we started with season, I don't know, season three? I don't know, whatever season it was that we started, but we, we for a whole, the whole season, we recapped every episode. Um, wonderful podcast. Uh, I do that podcast with my friends, Jabri, who is also part my other partner with the Black Tasted Podcast Network, my boy Corey, and two of my other friends, uh, Shawnice and Janae. It's basically my wedding party. Like People that are part of my wedding party are part of my podcast network at this point. Anyway. The Root pays us for pieces. So in November of 2016, there's an episode of Queen Sugar. I can't think of the name of this episode at the moment, but I'm going to give you the gist of what happened on this on this particular episode. The The show Queen Sugar centers around three main characters, uh, Nova, Charlie. Charlie's the main character, Nova, Charlie and um, Ralph Angel. Ralph, they're 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 siblings. The show starts, their father passes away. Charlie, who lives in California, ends up moving back to um, St. Joe's, which is a a fictional spot pretty much outside of New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, to to take over the... And Charlie comes back to to more or less take over the family business, and she starts a a mill and all a sugar mill, Queen Sugars, because it's about harvesting sugar cane. Very original story. It's based on a book called Queen Sugar. And there was this episode. So Ralph Angel is there was an episode that that really moved me. Ralph Angel is an ex-con who got out of prison for I believe it was a robbery. Um, don't quote me on that. But I, but he gets out of jail. He comes back home and he has he has a son named Blue, whose mother also has problems with addiction. So Blue is in the care of his aunt Vi. And when Ralph Angel comes home, Aunt Vi and Ralph Angel more or less struggle a little bit about the care of Blue because Ralph Angel is doing his best to show Aunt Vi that he is capable of taking care of his child, that he is capable of becoming the man that he knows he needs to be for Blue. And Aunt Vi struggles a little bit a little bit with allowing him to do that, right? In this episode, Blue's class is going to take a trip to the zoo. And Ralph Angel can't sign the permission slip because he does not have custody of Blue. On Vi has custody. He gives this speech at the dinner table to On Vi about how it hurts him that he can't even do something as simple as allow his child to go to the zoo. And that really hit me as a father. So I have... I have a joke, 3.8 kids right now. My wife is pregnant and I have three children already, a daughter and two sons and another, another child on the way. Thinking about the idea of not being able to make a decision, something so small as to allow my child to go to the zoo, that joint hit me. 
Like I, I ain't going to front. I probably shed a tear when I listened to him talk about what he could not do. You know, Aunt Vi didn't want to let him do it. She doesn't believe that he she she still struggled with the idea of him being over all the other stuff that whatever he was early on that got him put in a position where he had to go to jail in the first place. Um, you know, Aunt Vi signs the permission slip. You know, she she gonna let Blue go to the zoo because Blue needs to go to the zoo. You know, Blue loves animals. You know, Blue is a, Blue is a good kid. He's a really good kid. He decides he needs to let Vi know, his aunt Vi know, who was like a mother figure to him, by the way, how, you know, he's still not free. He can't even do this small thing, something that for anybody else would just be signing a piece of paper. You don't even think twice. You literally don't think about it. So go to the zoo, whatever. And he for him, this is this is proof that he has not overcome that thing that he's trying to overcome point is it hit me all of my feelings so the next day i go into work and i wrote about it the title of the piece was as a dad queen sugar hit me right in the feels it was the kind of thing that i wrote because it genuinely moved me so i did what any what we do with anything else wrote the article up we sent this one to the root they decided to run it i want to say by 10 o'clock in the morning, I probably had this piece done. Um, and I know that because on the Roots website, it went up probably about at noon. and Or it went up at noon. It was scheduled to go up at noon. So I wrote the piece. By noon, the joint goes up. I got an email from the current managing editor at the Root saying, man, you know, somebody from OWN wants to get in touch with you. Own being the Oprah Winfrey Network, which is what Queen Sugar runs on. So I wrote the article. They're like, oh, they uh, apparently they like the article. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Now, mind you, I'm at my desk at work, right? So I did a lot of my writing at my desk at work. And, you know, because I tend to write quickly, I could knock out something in 30, 45 minutes on the long end of things. And, you know, I'd be done with that for the day and I could keep it pushing without it getting too much in the way of my day job, so to speak. Around, let's see, so it goes up at noon. Let's say around one o'clock, right? Like one o'clock, one o'clock-ish. I get a phone call from, it was a 312 area code. I know that's Chicago, but, you know, whatever. I don't, I typically don't answer unknown, you know, unknown phone calls because, listen, I'm still a black person. That could be a bill collector. Who knows who the hell that could be? And I was like, nah, I'm out. I'm not answering that. So I let it go to voicemail, but there was no there was no voicemail, nothing like that. Nothing. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe 15 or 20 minutes later. The phone rings again and it's unknown again. I am a Negro. I do not answer unknown phone calls. So anyway. Unknown call. Boom, boom, boom. There's a voicemail. The first thing I hear is the first thing that you hear when you heard the intro to this podcast, which is Panama, it's Oprah Winfrey. I don't know you, but I love you. Okay. Let's go ahead and take a quick time out here. I paused that. I stopped I stopped the voicemail. I put the phone down. I was like, what the hell just happened? 
Like you ever had one of those moments in your life where something happens and you're like, nah, this ain't real. This is this is just not a real thing. Like, but you know, the thing is, Oprah's voice is so distinct. It's so especially look, I grew up in the era where Oprah Winfrey was literally one of the biggest things on the planet, right? I knew what time her show came on, everybody, even though I wasn't watching it, we all know Oprah. You know her voice. Like she's she's a part of my upbringing. I know Oprah Winfrey's Oprah Winfrey's voice. So I went back and I listened to the thing again. I'm like, holy shit. Again, Panama, it's Oprah Winfrey. I don't know you, but I love you. And I was calling to tell you. And she goes off into this minute and a half long voicemail about the article that I wrote and how she loved what I wrote and how it's her favorite scene in the season for the very reasons that I laid out. So Oprah Winfrey a billionaire, one of the most famous people on the planet, picked up the phone, decided to call me, not only to say thanks for writing about this show on my network, thanks for the promo, but to tell me that the thing that I wrote actually moved her in such a way that she felt compelled enough to pick up the phone. Not only that, she continued to tell me for a minute and a half, exactly what it is she loved about what I wrote, what she thought that meant about me as a human being, how reading the article even made her tear up as she thought about the scene over. Like, I made Oprah Winfrey cry. That's how I read it anyway. <laughs> that's, how I, that's what I decided to, to take from that. So as you can imagine, I listened to this voicemail. I put my phone down for a second because at that point, my phone is like, I can't afford to lose this phone for whatever. This phone is taking on properties of of being a, a valuable piece of property at that point. Because like, holy shit, on this phone is a voicemail from Oprah Winfrey. So I called at that point my my girlfriend, who is now my wife, but I call her and I'm like, I think. Oprah Winfrey just called me and she's like, what? And I sent her the voicemail. And then I hit up Damon and I sent Damon the voicemail like, bro, Oprah Winfrey called me. He listened to it was like, holy shit. Like, like, it's like, that's the biggest thing that's happened to me. And it didn't even happen to me. Like Oprah Winfrey called us. Right. And then I sent that to everybody in my family. I took, you know, thankfully with I have an iPhone, so you know you get a voicemail. You can like fire that thing off. Like I sent it to my 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 email, but I fired it off to everybody in my family. Like, yo, Oprah called me. All of a sudden, everybody's like, yo, people are spreading this this voicemail, um, sharing it with people, talking to people about it, blah blah blah. Because it's like, like, dude, this is Oprah Winfrey. We know for a fact that one day Oprah Winfrey was reading stuff. And here's the thing. I don't even know. I I don't remember if I ran that piece on VSB immediately that same day or not. I don't know. There's a chance Oprah Winfrey has read things on VSB, right? Like she has, her eyes have been on the site. That is, that is crazy to me. You know what I mean? That shit is crazy. But to think that one of the most famous people on the planet has read something that I wrote, but was moved enough by it to call me like, dude. So I keep in mind, I'm still at work. It's like one thirty in the afternoon at work. So I'm, I'm like, I got to go. I got to take a lunch break. I got to walk out. I walk outside and I'm like, I, you know, you ever just like you don't know what to do. Like your body is full of so many emotions and so much stuff. You just you can't figure out what to do. 
Like I wanted to rip my arms off and just throw them at people because I just I wasn't sure exactly what to do. Because this is to this point, this is probably one of the biggest thing that's ever happened to me. Actually, I'm not even gonna lie. This is the biggest thing that's happened to me, like on a professional end. And in this voicemail, she's like, you know, I'm sorry I missed you. I'll try you back later. She did not try to call me back, but that is so fine because this is only part one of the story. And here's the thing. A lot of people have said, man, do you wish you had picked up the phone? And yes, it would have been nice to have talked to Oprah, right? Like it would have been cool to have spoken to Oprah. But then I wouldn't have this voicemail. And none of you motherfuckers will believe me that Oprah Winfrey called me. Like nobody would actually believe it happened. Nobody. Like, I could tell you that Oprah, like, you'd be, you'd be skeptical. You'd be skeptical. Like, like you know, like, I could have told Damon and told my wife, and they'd be like, really? Wow, that, that happened? But nobody would actually believe it, or if they told other people, they would tell it in a way like, yeah, you know, he said that. They'd be like, oh, he said that Oprah called. Not Oprah called, right? This voicemail was proof. Like, I could, this is tangible proof that this, that this thing really happened. So, in the moment, I was like, damn, it's like a double. It's 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 like it's bittersweet. It's it's awesome because, man, I have this voicemail from Oprah who spent a considerable amount of time telling me why she loved what I wrote. And I didn't get a chance to talk to her. But wow, this is still amazing. I got a couple lessons out of that. You know, I wrote about this on VSB a couple weeks after it happened. Like I finally decided I'm gonna go ahead and write about this. And I'm going to share this news with with our audience, with Very Smart Brothers, because our audience is the reason why why we're even in this position in 2016 for me to be writing in a place where Oprah Winfrey can even read this shit and then end up sending me a voicemail or calling me, which also Oprah's the fed, y'all, because I ended up finding out how Oprah got my number. But at the time, I was like, how the hell did Oprah Winfrey find my phone number? So I just kind of assumed Oprah the feds. Oprah can get anything she wants because that's what billionaires do, right? So... There were a few takeaways, a few things that I that I learned. And one of the first, of course, was that I had my proof that she actually called me. So nobody could question that that really happened. That was a, that's a thing that's true. It's awesome that it happened Two, I, I always wondered what it feels like to be somebody who knows that. Well, at least there's a better than 90 percent chance that I know by making this phone call, I'm about to fuck up this person's whole shit. Like, I'm about to send them into a space where they're about to be like, oh, my God, Oprah just called me. Like, you, even famous people, like, freak out because of Oprah. Like, she's that kind of person. You know, she got that kind of energy. I, I remember at the um the 50th anniversary of the March on Washington in 2013, I got a chance to go, and I had, like, VIP tickets, which means I was up there with all the celebrities and stuff. But I was, like, away from them, but I was by them. And um, I remember when Oprah went walking by. Like everybody, you just naturally turn to see Oprah in the flesh. Like, oh man, that's a real person. Like Oprah's, Oprah's a human being. She's real. That was the kind of reaction that, that, that Oprah got then. So Oprah picking up the phone to call somebody like myself is going to elicit that kind of reaction. The most important takeaway though, that I got from this and the one that I wanted to hammer home to other people who might be reading the articles that we read, uh, we write or even thinking about getting into writing or creating or whatever is that you genuinely never know who's paying attention. When I wrote that article, I didn't write it thinking that somebody like, like Oprah would end up reading it one day and enough that Oprah would end up reading it that day and then would end up calling me about it. I just wrote it because, you know, it moved me to do so. I was 
I, I literally did it for the love. I, I danced like no one was watching. That's what we do at VSB, right? We have, we feel compelled to write about something. We write about it. That's how it works sometimes. And for, you know, for more times than not, it's actually benefited us a lot that we, we just more or less write whatever we feel on our hearts at the time. Not to make everything sound like it's all deep and some shit like that. I mean, how deep is grits or wings versus flats or whatever, or, you know, writing about Omarion song supposed to be, but it's stuff that we wanted to write about. It's, it's entertaining for us. Right. And we're in this very privileged position of doing entertainment for a living through written word. Like it's, it's, you know, that joint turned Damon into an author. Damon's book, what doesn't kill you makes you blacker, which was released in 2019. Like we were able to, we're, you know, we're doing these things like Damon's career has like skyrocketed. And it's all because of stuff that we do on VSB and because of the, the attention we've gotten from the platform, but because of all the people that came to the platform, because it felt like it was a safe space. So it's, it's this really weird thing. You just, you never know who's paying attention to what you're doing. You really don't know. I can't tell you how many people that we've plucked out of the comment sections at VSB or, you know, we read something somebody wrote and we were like, yo, we need to get them on our team. And we'd reach out and they'd be like, man, I've been reading your site for years. Like I'm such a big fan. Like you do. And we're paying attention to you. You don't even know it let's see if we can get you some money or how can we do this? Whatever. It's like, it's just this, you never know who's paying attention. Maybe it's Oprah Winfrey. And because Oprah, the feds, maybe she can call you. Um, and you know, on a very personal note, it was, it was interesting. So in my family, like I know that my family loves me, obviously. I don't know how many, how often they were reading the things that I'd written, you know, it's just it was a blog, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know that it, that really resonated. I had a day job, you know, I, I'm successful, right? Like I'm doing all right for myself. But when you do something and somebody like Oprah's paying attention, everybody else starts paying attention, right? And, you know, it's just, it's just cool to be able to send something to your family and your family's like, oh, wow, that shit is amazing. Be like, like, and they're generally impressed with something that you do. Like that's, that's a very cool it's personal it's a little sobering because i think i mean there's no insecurity about that or anything like that but you always want your people to really be in love with the things that you're doing especially when you're doing something creatively and you're building something huge but you know you kind of gotta you kind of gotta know about something in order to be a part of something right like you or you has to be kind of in your purview i remember in 2011 after we dropped our book i went on the ed gordon show whatever it's called and um that was a big deal in my family. I remember one of my cousins, I think at a wedding four or five years later was like, yo, man, I still got to tell you when I saw you on BET, bro, like that was, it don't get no better than that. And that was, you know, that was it's like, dang, man, people, it really mattered to people. Like seeing you in this, in this venue, this avenue that people respect and that people view as making it. And when people see you there and they find out that you're doing these things, like you're really you know, it's a dope feeling to have that kind of experience that other people can partake in that they really get something out of. Like it makes you it makes your family proud. Like that's dope. Um, so, yeah, that was a it was a it was that's that's Oprah calling me. That's that's the first part of this this story revolving Oprah Winfrey, because there is a part two. And part two is equally as amazing as part one. So we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and give you part two of the Oprah Winfrey, the infamous Oprah Winfrey story for very smart brothers. 
We'll be right back. After the original phone call from Oprah, right? I established this connection with Oprah Winfrey Network with OWN. So they would send me screeners for things for, for Queen Sugar in particular. Um, you know, asked me if I wanted to be a part of any type of promo things and such and such, blah, blah, blah. And when I could, I did. But I still had my day job. Well, everything changed for Damon and I in 2017. VSB gets acquired by The Root, which at, the, at that time was part of Univision. Uh, we become part of the team, like we're officially writers for a living. And in October of 2017, I get asked or I get invited to come out to the um, the rap party. But the like the the there's this huge panel discussion that's going to happen in L.A. at own studios, Oprah Studios. And it's going to be a rap party for the um, for the cast and, and crew and all that stuff. And so we got to go out there and attend. Uh, I want to say we got to, I don't I'm pretty sure we got to see the final episode, but I might be. No, no, no. You know what? We got sent the final episode. So it was is myself and three other um, journalists uh, from let's see from the Grio. Uh, it was Natasha Alford, uh, Kiara Kelly at the time was a Hello Beautiful and Brandy Victorian. Um, and I can't remember which outlet she was a part of. I don't know if she's still the same one now. So let me not speak out of turn. But either way, we all got invited to come out to this final this, um, you know, this panel discussion and this final thing for whatever the season was of Queen Sugar. So we go out there. We're all sitting there and like, you know, everybody comes out. Ava DuVernay is there. Um, you know, Oprah's there holding a discussion with Kofi Sirabo, like everybody, Kofi Sirabo, um, everybody on the show. Right. And it's dope. It's at her studios. It's, it's filmed. It it um it shows after the end of the last episode of that season. So when the last episode plays, then this is like the the after party, the after talk, after show talk, or whatever that comes on after or whatever. It was dope. But we also get invited to go to the the show rap party. Right. So we all get loaded up in these suburbans and get carted over to um, Soho House in L.A. and Holly. I don't know if it's Soho, L.A. or Hollywood or whatever it is, but it was this. <laughs> I've never been to one of those before. So it, the whole experience was crazy. Like we went. We go into the Soho House, but there's this whole like back section that apparently the really rich people ran out and stuff for parties and shit like that like we go up and we walk through these like it felt like you know like you you watch these movies where like think good fellas where you walk through the kitchen and then you end up in some whatever like we walk through these little hallways and tiny spaces or whatever and then we boom we open up into this space that is like one of the dopest rooftop spaces i've ever been into been to in my entire life and eventually you know we're there we're chilling you know, we're drinking and members of the staff and um, not, I'm sorry, not members of the staff, members of the cast and crew. People are coming in. They're trickling in. They're hanging out, whatever. Um, you know, everybody that's on the show shows up. Omar Dorsey, Kofi Sirabo, um, B. 
Bianca Lawson, you know, the 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 main characters, everybody is there. And then who but who walks in? Oprah Winfrey, right? Now, of course, all of us that are journalists, whatever, like this is everybody else that's there. They're they on the show. So I don't know how often they see Oprah, but maybe it's not the same for them. Right. For us, it's like, oh, my gosh, look, there's Oprah Winfrey right there. Like, oh, my God, we got to we got to talk to Oprah. Like, how do we how do we go talk to Oprah? Now, Oprah, you know, you look around Oprah security is everywhere, too. So, you know, you kind of got to play this one smart. You can't just be running up on Oprah Winfrey like <laughs> it just wasn't going to be that way. But I remember trying to figure out how or what we were going to do in order to get Oprah's attention. So I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there. Now, mind you, in 2016, so I'm coming off a couple years of being like a a party animal hard. Like, you know, my my boys are born. I kind of had to put that stuff away. But before then, I was in the streets. Right. So I was constantly a bar. I was drinking like nonstop. I drank like a fish. Like I could take 10 shots of stuff and it just wouldn't affect me. I was good. Right. So the reason why this plays into it is because I could not think of what, how do you walk up to Oprah Winfrey? But then she did, she did something amazing. She walked straight to the bar and there was somebody on her left side. And then there was not a soul on her right side. So I was like, word, you're going to go to the bar, the space that I enjoy, the space that I know. I walk right up to the bar and I looked at Oprah and I was like, what are you drinking? And she was she told me about some super expensive tequila that she done traveled the world to find whatever. And we end up having a conversation about tequila because I drink tequila because I was a drink, a a tequila drinker at the time and all that stuff. Like I pretty much only drink brown liquor at this point when I'm drinking. But I'm sitting here having a whole conversation with Oprah about drinking and I order what she orders. Then I order some brown liquor for myself and we're sitting here having a conversation. And then the other people that I'm there, we all end up sitting here talking to Oprah. So the four of us, the four journalists were over there talking to Oprah. Like I managed to get over there and get her attention and then get into a space where we're talking. And, you know, she gave us all the words. She told us about, you know, how important it was, how important is what we're doing, how awesome it was for us to be there, just following your dreams. And, you know, you can you can do the things that she did, too. And then she decided to let us all take individual, you know, pictures with her. Like on my Instagram, I put a there's a like a, a, a photo with all of us taking shots with Oprah. And then there's a picture with me standing next to Oprah. But so here's where it gets even more interesting. While I'm taking my picture with her and I'm trying to be careful, you know, what I mean, I'm, I don't want to be crazy and, you know, whatever. I'm like, you know, by the way, I just wanted to say to you last year, I wrote an article about one of the episodes of, of Queen Sugar and you called me and left me a voicemail. And I just want you to know how awesome it was for you to do that. And Oprah looked at me and said, that was you. Panama, you're the one that wrote that article. And let me tell you why I loved it. Let me tell you to your face. And she went and told me to my face why she loved it. Like she remembered it. When I tell you I was dumb, found, did. I was sitting there like, holy shit. Oprah is literally no wonder why everybody loves this woman. Like I'm over here like, wow, it was a whole year ago. And I mentioned something to her and she still remembered it enough to talk to me about it and make me feel like it was yesterday. Man, I was on cloud nine. That was such a great experience. And 
I don't, I don't even know 100% what to say to that, but it was just it was just really dope just to have this person who is larger than life has access. I mean, is the re- I'm standing in the most beautiful place I've been in in a long time. And she paid for everything. Drinks were free, food, like the dessert bar. It was insane. I met all these people on the show. There were other famous people just popping in. And so it was it was it was a crazy experience. It was awesome. Here I am. This 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 person here just to write about this event, whatever. And she actually remembers something that she did that changed my life enough to talk to me about it. It's just crazy. That's the Oprah story. That's that is that is the story about how Oprah Winfrey read an article on VSB and had all these people at VSB thinking like, yo, it's possible that Oprah read my comment, too, like which is dope, like to think that, man, maybe Oprah even saw this. Who knows? But. That's the story of how that's the whole full story of the Oprah voicemail, the the VSB Oprah voicemail, because it was it was a voicemail for the whole site. Like everybody who read who reads VSB or read VSB, who commented on VSB, who um, spent any time writing for us or doing whatever like this. This was a win for us as a as a whole entity. You know what I mean? Like this was this is a win for Damon and I. This is a win for for everybody. And. You know, I remember walking around D.C., people would stop me and be like, yo, P, can I hear the voicemail? Like, can I hear the voicemail? And I'd be like, of course you get it. And I'd let people hear that. I remember I'd be in the middle of a night. I used to throw a party called Reminisce, a 90s party. And there would be people in the middle of this 90s party like, yo, can, can I hear the voicemail? Like, you, you still got it? You still got it? Like, of course I still got it. I'm never going I'm never not going to have this voicemail. Trust me. And, you know, it's a real dope feeling to have that kind of whatever that kind of experience so this is the oprah story that's 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 all of it 90 percent of it anyway it's probably some other little stuff i forgot or left out whatever and this is the oprah voicemail panama hi it's oprah winfrey calling to tell you i don't know you but i love you you know why because that scene that you wrote about in The Root today, where Ralph Angel has this moment with Aunt Vi over not being able to sign his son's papers to go to the zoo, is one of my favorite moments in this entire series. And <clears throat> I've seen it, I don't even, countless times now, through every phase of every edit, and it still makes me cry. And even just reading your article today, I teared up just reading the article, thinking about it. It's one of just the most powerful moments, I think, that speaks to what it means to have been incarcerated and being a black man and trying to do the best you can and having to go up against a system that doesn't see you for who you are and for who you're trying to be. And I thought you captured that so beautifully in your uh, piece today. So I just wanted to say that. Sorry you weren't here to take the call, but I'll try back again. But if I don't find you, just thank you for seeing the same thing. I I just, you got to have a good heart to see that and feel that. So thanks. Wasn't that great? Wasn't that grand? Wasn't that amazing? Man, like I still listen to that every so often when I need a little bit of motivation, a little bit of something to remind me that what I'm doing is actually purposeful or that it's 
that it's leading to something because who knows where it's going. It was four years ago at this point and it still resonates. It still, it still hits me like, damn, that really happened. And that's pretty dope. Thank you for listening. I've always been meaning to share that story. Figure now is as good a time as any. Did that one for VSB. Um, decided to make that the inaugural story, the opening, make this the opening episode of my new, of this podcast called uh, Past the Peas. Past the Peas of Panama Jackson. So thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, we're going to have a good time with this podcast. It's going to be full of, um, you know, think Quest Love Supreme, except without insider access. <laughs> but we're going to do fun things. We're going to have some, uh, we're going to have movie discussions and music discussions. I'm going to talk to people that you have heard of. I'm going to talk to people you've never heard of. We're going to talk to authors. I mean, we're going to pass the peas. You know what I'm saying? We're going to pass the peas like they used to say. We're going to give as much attention, uh, time, energy, and, and, and to, to people who deserve it. And stories that need to be told and we're going to do with this whatever we feel is going to make this as poignant and fun as possible. That's what Past the Peas is about. So thanks for listening. Thanks for checking us out. And uh, we'll see you next time on Past the Peas. Have a black one. This Nobody pocket, nobody dealer. Everybody be themselves, won't well, nobody ever be realer. I'm Peach Cobbler without the filler. Warm nostalgia. Man, we forgot who the alpha. Uh, I dropped my verse in the salsa. My nigga, what you pouting for? You the one they made the mountains for.